Welcome to another edition of Old School Guns, the podcast that tells you exactly like it is. And this is episode number 168, number 168. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, be sure to give them to me on the comment section of Podbean, or you can email them to me at kbmakel at aol.com, kbmakel at aol.com. And, um, you know, it's pretty interesting. Between the time I've uh, done the notes for this and the time that I actually get around to recording it, uh, things have things have changed quite a bit. I thought the biggest story would be, of course, the Fox News firing of Tucker Carlson, silencing any voice that does not reflect the Uniparty and their, their uh, you know, double speak, their, their you know absolute brainwashing lies that they perpetrate on you know the the american public i thought it would be you know all about that and voiling the the (laughs) the voices that are silenced and gotta untangle my tongue there the voices that are silenced and everything else and you know that is an important story that is a, a huge story we will no longer see um views on controversial subjects that are, you know, outside of what the Uniparty wants you to hear. You know, don't think that some little jerk like Brian Kilmeade or the rest of the Fox News, you know, meat puppets are, are going to tell you anything because they're not. They're told what to tell you. They don't think. They don't do a lot. So that's that's really what this is. So, um, you know, keep looking for your news, but you're not going to find it you're not going to find it on Fox anymore, you know. And I'm not saying you had to agree with everything or, or you know, it's not like a blind follower or anything. But it's nice to hear somebody having some other viewpoints that you can consider, that you can evaluate yourself. Because really, what is intelligence other than thinking for yourself? Um, you know, that's that's the, the whole reason that we are here. That's the whole reason we have minds we're supposed to think for ourselves and you need usually a variety of information and then you can you know select and analyze and then you know come to the truth but that's not the biggest story the biggest story is after the bud light fiasco where their sales have plummeted because they decided that a transsexual TikTok influencer was somehow a wise move to increase sales and it's not it's absolutely not it was it was absolutely it's a disaster the people who they want to buy beer um, are not the kind of people that would follow that individual or hold that individual's particular values um, up as exemplars that they themselves or would would counsel other people to follow i mean face it your average bud bud drinker bud light drinker is is not into that and and so it was a stupid stupid um move probably one of the stupid stupidest marketing moves 
easily one of the five stupidest marketing moves that's that's ever been you know it's just it's incredible alienating probably 98 percent of the people who use your product so that you can hope to increase it by one or two percentage points it's it's insanity it's stupidity and um but that's what rules the day now so you know that is what it is um in light of that though in light of that and of course they're learning the lesson the hard way the u.s navy has decided that its rec new recruiting face needs to be some sort i guess it's some sort of a sailor who has an alter ego as a drag queen and performs drag queen shows and all the rest of it i mean i don't really care what person does when they're an adult you want to be a drag queen fine i could care less if you think that i endorse that think again i only tolerate that because it's the right thing to do and people have the right to make their own choices but i criticize the the lifestyle i think there is i question the wisdom of participating in something like that on and on and on you know it's, it's i see it as, as ridiculousness but people have a right to do it but to think that that is going to be something that enhances the image of the united states navy is insanity i mean it's pure insanity and no one seems to grasp that uh, you know there are a few people speaking out you know who in the military hierarchy made that decision you know and this isn't the first example remember that woke cartoon that they had of the girl who was like a blm protester who who joins the army and you know her her really cool background of being an antifa blm basically you know makes her a great american you know that the, even ted cruz and all that said what what kind of nonsense is this i mean where are you know the the ad selling patriotism service to the nation you know the develop the mental and physical toughness to do what's necessary to defend the country i mean you don't see any of that what you see is this woke this disastrous woke agenda trying to appeal to people and they wonder and, and you know these are the same morons who wonder why recruiting numbers are plummeting because people don't want to join the boy the the transvestite scouts they want to join a military service that takes things seriously and you know most people you know back in the day used to kind of think that you know the marines were kind of you know too tightly wound they were jarheads and all the rest of it they but at least they took themselves seriously marines took themselves seriously i always admired them for that um they take themselves seriously they take their job seriously it seems like nobody in the military now and i can't speak for every person in every service but i don't see anybody taking anything seriously you know as a nation do we take ourselves seriously well if we don't secure our own border you know if we we just let our our military might 
just sort of, you know, drift and fade away and, you know, don't buy what we ha need. We don't man the kind of, of uh, things that we need to man. When all this stuff happens, I mean, what does that say about our society? When they're more worried about Kardashians and, you know, the stupid Duke, what is it, the Duke and Duchess, Duchess of Sussex, you know, how brown their baby is. You know, when they worry about stupidity, and I mean, just look at any pop culture page. You can see the stupidity. And, you know, all that stuff is not important. The stuff that is important seems to get shoveled under the, uh, basically under the carpet. There are a few people who take themselves seriously. If you don't listen to them, you go to YouTube and put in Colonel Douglas McGregor. He's he's the real deal. He's he's a guy. I don't know him. By the way, I, I do not know him, never ran across him. I don't know anybody who did know him when he was on duty or since. This is simply a television personality that I've listened to who seems to be a critical thinker, seems to be rational. And again, do I believe every single word that he utters? No, because I think for myself. So, but I do consider what he says, and I find a lot of what he says to be very true, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me. You know, you listen to somebody like that, he takes himself seriously. You know, he's a serious guy. Um, that's what we need. We do not have serious people in charge of anything. Look at and look at look at fool as a matter of fact mcgregor was called a fellow traveler meaning he was a putin stooge for simply pointing out hey you know the ukrainians that what we think this situation is it's really not because we've been fed a line and even those those some of those documents that were leaked out of the pentagon say the same thing scum like liz cheney you know an absolute stooge of the uniparty um, you know, ridiculous, a ridiculous human being, just ridiculous. And she is, you know, attacking a person who's actually serious. She can't just say, I disagree with that person. Everything is an insinuation. You notice how the left is now calling everybody an enemy agent. You know, Tucker Carlson was an H, a Putin apologist, an agent. Tulsi Gabbard was a Russian asset. You know, anytime you hear people using that kind of language, the person using it is the problem. They are the problem. Um, just because somebody doesn't agree and has a different opinion, and they may be wrong. Maybe in the end they're wrong, but they do have a right to speak up and say it. And, and this is a switch from 15, 20 years ago when people were you know, questioning the Iraq war and they were getting called all kinds of names, unpatriotic and all the rest of it. And uh, the same people who were standing up for those are refusing to stand up for people who are questioning now. I mean, that is just partisanship and it's unipartyism because the uniparty wants the proxy war with Ukraine. Even if it, and because they're too stupid to make any kind of, of calculation, even if it pulls us into World War III, you know, they're, they're willing to do that because they can, they can make even more money.
the amount of graft and corruption. When President Zelensky and his friends, according to the Demo according to the Pentagon documents, have skimmed four hundred million dollars. That's tax dollars, money that you and I pay. They've skimmed that for themselves. I mean, I realize there's a level of corruption everywhere, and it's it's all bad, but. You know, come on, we, we even know this guy's stealing, and yet we're sending him more money. We can't wait to send him more money. This is a disaster, and it has to stop. It is absolutely one of the worst things that's ever going on. And, you know, now we have transvestites, drag queens, transsexuals being pushed at us, and... They're essentially the, the establishment, the uniparty establishment is angry that we are not just fully endorsing this. You know, the fact of the matter is they're, they can't believe the fact that Bud Light sales didn't increase by 50%. They can't believe that there aren't lines at Navy recruiting stations. You know, they're so out of touch. They're so deluded. Their minds are so twisted that they, they actually think that this stuff they've been doing is working and it's having not just the opposite effect, it's having a backlash like we've never seen. I don't know what the Navy recruiting is going to look like, but I can tell you this, there'll be no lines for people signing up. They, there will be no signs for people signing up. So this is... This is a disaster. It's, a, it's almost suicidal. It's almost suicidal. And we've been making stupid decisions for national defense for a long time. We decided somehow that women need to be in ground combat roles. We decided that as a nation, you know, and kind of forced the Pentagon to do it, although I don't know that it took much forcing. Uh... That's absolutely ludicrous. And it has it's not anti-female to say that. It's not being misogynistic. Another opinion is this is a very bad thing and we should reevaluate it and we should probably look at our prior structure and rules which were probably a lot better. Because if we're not serious, we will we will wind up everybody kind of laughs at Russia now. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the Russian have, Russians haven't made the mistakes that people think they've made because we're listening. To, almost all of our information comes from Ukrainian propaganda. Um, that is very, very dangerous, and it's not going to lead in a good place. So we have this transvestite movement of people who can't understand why you won't buy a beer because a boy dressed as a girl is prancing around with a can of it. I mean, you just they, they can't understand that. Uh, they can't understand that people are concerned about voices with differing opinions being silenced, being vilified. And what they do is the first thing they do, they did this to Matt Getz. Remember how Matt Getz, there was something about, you know, he was trying to meet you know, underage girls or some, there's some nonsense thing. Well, they investigated, they have nothing. They have nothing. 
So the first thing they try to do is if you're a Matt Getz is get you on some sort of sexual type entrapment charge. And if that doesn't work, then they go after things you say. They take them out of context and they try to use your own tweets and emails and other things against you. And then if that doesn't work, they just they just call you stupid. They're just, you know, you're stupid. You're like Marjorie Taylor Greene. They don't have the first two things on her. So they just call her stupid. She's just stupid. When you listen to her, whether you agree or not, she is articulate and she's got some very, very strong beliefs. She's not stupid, but they'll tell you she's stupid. Um, if you're Donald Trump, they can't get you. Remember how Donald Trump's taxes were a big thing? He turns over his taxes, they look in it, and there's nothing there. There's nothing. So, you know, they try to get you with Russia collusion. Then they try to get you with a, with a, uh, the phone call to this goddamn Ukraine. I don't know how Ukraine got to be the most important place in the world, but somehow it has. Even though we have a videotape of Joe Biden talking about how he got a prosecutor fired who is looking into his son's malfeasant business dealings. You know, the, when he was vice president, he did that. You know, how crooked is that? And he laughs about it. He openly laughs about it. Nobody impeached him. They should have, but they didn't. So, we talk about, talk about the Ukraine, and I, I think it's very ominous. There's a lull right now. Okay, there was a place called Bakhmut, just another city. And anybody who knows anything about the military and about fighting and about tactical operations knows fighting in a city is ugly, messy business. It's ugly and messy. There's no way to make it better. Um, you go block by block, house by house. You destroy things. You use artillery, heavy direct fire weapons, and a lot of small arms. And basically anything in front of you gets chewed up, blown up. And, you know, people are hiding in the ruins of buildings and shooting. And, and I mean, it's ugly, ugly business. Well, it appears that the UK Ukrainians have been kicked out of Bakhmut. So the rest of it is just seems to be a phony war, though. To go back to, you know, the Western Front in 1940, uh, 1939 and early 1940, where, you know, not much is happening. And, and part of that reason is, is because Ukraine is a big mud bowl. And it has been, it slowed down Napoleon, it slowed down the Germans, it's slowed down everybody it's the reason that the t-34 had such wide tracks because so it could you know do better in the mud than a tiger tank could you know that's the way it is so the thought is now that as soon as the ground dries out there will be this long advertised ukrainian counteroffensive. now only a fool would announce ahead of time they're doing a counteroffensive. And you notice the Russians have not said that they're going to do an offensive or a counteroffensive. And so, you know, I would expect that as soon as the ground dries out, late May, early June, that all of this hardware on the Russian side that's been pouring in, that there's going to be a large offensive 
which may do in the Ukrainian army. Because I don't think they're going to get the, the Western technology they're going to get is just a lot of virtue signaling and dribbles and drabbles. Um, I think there's going to be a big... I think this there's a possibility that all of this could be over with by the middle of the fall before things get wet and nasty again. This could be over with. There could be no more Ukraine. Won't matter because Zelensky by that time will probably have five or six hundred million dollars and he'll go, he'll live in exile, he'll talk about how everybody let him down and then he's going to live well better than better than any king that there is so we'll see we shall see ah well if you if you've noticed very quietly the <laughs> the charges against Alec the killer Baldwin the man who's killed more people than any of the guns in my safe have been quietly dropped uh, they've, they've just been dropped. Uh, I never had any tremendous faith that uh, anyone would go after him or, or make him pay because simply he was on a movie set and all those circumstances. But it's amazing to me that no one seems to be responsible for the death of this poor woman who was killed um, on a movie set. Nobody seems to be... Um, it's not the it's not the goofy girl who is the armorer. It's not the goofy prop master guy. It's not the goofy assistant director. It's not whoever brought live ammunition onto the set and actually used it to. It was actually used to kill somebody because it was where it should never have been. Those guns never should have been used for recreational shooting. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy. And in the worst part of this, to show the greed, avarice, just not caring about human life, they're actually going to finish this film. <laughs> they're actually going to finish it. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's not going to make any real money anyway. I mean, people might watch it just to, out of morbid curiosity or something but this was a low budget shoestring film kind of like some of those Tom Selleck films that he you know Crossfire Trail or something you know those kind of these very low budget westerns for people who like these types of movies and I'm actually one of them I actually like westerns I would never go to see one with Alec Baldwin but I do like uh, I do like westerns so Anyway, that's that's the latest on the Rust drama. Will they find anybody liable for this? Oh, probably not. They're just letting time go. It's already been a year, well, over a year and a half. So, you know, when are they going to solve this? It seemed to be open and shut to me. So I'll transition from that to um, kind of a... It, this should have actually been a question, but... Uh, couple of people wanted to know what what is the best gun content on YouTube and the answer is the only gun content that I watch anymore is um, uh, basically the they call it nine hole guy named Henry Chan he, and it's only when they're shooting the you know they, they kind of take rifles out and shoot them over a course of uh, five or six hundred meters you know something like that 
Uh, I, I find those entertaining. I don't draw any real conclusions from them, but I do find them entertaining enough to watch. But frankly, at some point, that's going to run its course, too. Um, just as the... Well, the follow-up question to this was, would you ever do content? And I would... First of all, I've been kicked off YouTube, so there's no way I'll do content for YouTube. Um, I've got a face for radio, not a face for video. Uh, I have no, neither the time nor the inclination to, to try to be a one-man show and produce something that would be interesting um, to thousands of subscribers. I, I'm bored by by videos where a guy shoots a gun then tells you how great it is and i mean there's loads of those guys every piece of gear is is you know quote evaluated by these experts and you know i you take all of that with a grain of salt but if you trust them fine if you don't trust them you're probably wise um yeah there's all the geardo there's all the geardo thing that's that's going on with this and uh you know, I'm just not into that scene. You know, if I were one of these um, <laughs> internet or YouTube gun tubers, YouTube guys creating content, I, I would, I would be, I would have another job as a backup. You know, don't quit your day job and do that. And some of them have. That's why they were whining so hard when they got demonetized. They basically put. You know, when you work for a company, you work for yourself or whatever, you know, you kind of have your destiny in your, your own hands, or it's at least it's in the hands of people who you know. You have a boss, you know that boss, and, and you can strike up a relationship. When it's something as antiseptic as YouTube, where they don't care about you, um, they don't care about you as a person, they don't care, they'll just demonetize you. They don't, they don't care. Um, you know, those things are... Those things are quite different, and to put all your eggs in that basket, it just seems to be foolhardy, you know. It's not 10 years ago where you could put anything on YouTube practically, um, and everybody was happy with it. It is now run by woke, fascist, um, lowlifes that want to control that. YouTube wants to become Netflix, and, and the how-to videos and all those things that are on there, they don't really want. They want YouTube TV. They, you know, they try to sell it to you all the time. Um, that's who they want to be. They don't want to be the uh, the place where how do I how do I drill a hole in this um, you know board and and uh, turn it into a shelf or something. They they don't want to they don't want to do that. Or how do I you know how do I uh, jumpstart my car? You know they don't want to have those those kind of videos. So and they don't want any gun content. Um, just because they're run by liberal fascists and that's that's what, not what they want so I would never do it um, I think there's plenty of it out there if there should be no one craving additional <laughs> gun tube comment and uh, you know I just I, yeah I, I don't dig the personalities you know that the only one I found that was mildly entertaining was when the in-range TV used to do the two-gun action challenge and you know and even that was kind of boring. I mean, if you just want to participate in that and shoot your Glock in your AR, fine. There's there's nothing interesting in that for me. Uh, when they used historical weapons, I thought it was much more interesting. Not because it proved anything, but just because it, it was something different. And, you know, when they kind of gave their impressions, I thought that was, that was interesting. That was something you didn't really see. 
but that has all gone weird now. Um, face it, that has just gone all weird. So um, we just have to realize that we will never, we will probably never see, you know, really good gun content again. You know, again, reviewing a gun, you know, I just, I don't draw any conclusion. I, you know, it's the old thing, believe half you see and none you hear. Well, that, that applies to YouTube quite a bit. So that's the, uh, that's the story there. Okay, now we can get into questions and answers, my favorite part of the podcast. And uh, here's the the Henry Revolvers. I think I talked about them before, but Henry Revolvers, have you seen them? I, I have not seen one in person yet. Frankly, I'm not going to seek them out. Um, my issues with the Henry Revolvers are, are, are several fold. Number one, I don't know what kind of lock work they're using. But anything other than Colt or Smith & Wesson style lockwork isn't very good. And if you don't believe me, go shoot a Nagant revolver. Go shoot some of these other guns that are out there, Webley's, other things, that are not a Colt or Smith & Wesson style. And I mean, Korth revolvers are kind of, they're in the this Colt Smith & Wesson style. And I'm talking about double action revolvers, of course, That's because that's what these are. Um... They look like they have some sort of lockwork that was from the 1880s or something. They're kind of strange looking. Uh, the other thing too is they want a thousand dollars for these things, and there's no features that I think are are attractive. I mean, they're fixed sight, which is fine, but you don't expect to pay a premium price for a fixed sight revolver. Aesthetically, they're not very pleasing. Uh, they're 357 Magnum, which is a a good and common chambering, but it doesn't really excite. It's not going to excite the market. So I don't know who would buy these other than perhaps people who've bought Henry rifles and like them. And I know some people who've done that. Um, I don't necessarily care for their styling, but a lot of people love the brass receivers. And um, to me, the only beautiful brass receiver was the 1866 um, Winchester. That is a gun. That is probably... I have to say, that's probably the best-looking lever action that's ever been made, is the 66. And uh, I, I think it's beautiful, and I really I really like it. And I really need to own one of the Hubertis, but uh, uh, we'll see. But getting back to the revolvers, um, hey, for another 500 bucks, you can have a Colt Python. Now, look at a Colt Python and look at a Henry revolver, and you tell me if it's not worth... 500 bucks more. I will, I will tell you that in this day of, you know, gun prices and everything else, it's definitely going to be um, worth your while to buy the Colt Python. The Henry revolver, I think, will probably go nowhere. But yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, if it were cheap, I could see it. But it's not cheap. And it's not going to become cheap. Um, so... I don't see where it go. I don't see where it goes. Okay, our next question: um, Weathered finishes on firearms. Do you like new blue, or do you like a weathered finish, like an old gun would have, on uh, on your guns? And I would say that um, when I started in guns, things that were not in pristine condition, um, their value just plummeted. I mean, just plummeted. Uh, the difference between a gun and 
99% condition and one in 90% condition. Could be as much as 50%. You know, it was that much. Mechanically, they could be identical, but that exterior finish really counted. I think as older guns have become more scarce, people are willing to accept the honest wear. And I think there's actually an aesthetic with the honest wear that people like. I've got a uh, Star Super B that has got this gray, <laughs> worn gray finish on it. And it's very cool to me. It has that authentic look. Um, you know, I, I really like it. I would actually like it better than some of the newer ones. You know, the ones that are in 98% in condition. So there's definitely an aesthetic with a worn finish that uh, people are now appreciating. The fake worn finish, I have no taste for. Uh, to me, you can kind of look at it. You can tell what it is. And... You know, from a distance, I suppose it's fine, but the only the only use I see for that is for someone who's doing um, some sort of reenactment, some sort of maybe cowboy action shooting, where they don't want the guns to look brand new. They want to have a weathered appearance, and you know they want that from the beginning. That was always my criticism with a lot of westerns, even though they would try to have the authentic style firearms. And that, that's that's a, a commendable thing. Uh, they would always <laughs> they would always look brand new. So it looked like the the cast had just gone down to the local Uberti store and and bought up. So um, there's nothing wrong with the new finish. I think it looks great on a lot of guns. However, you know when you're doing that old west where the guns would obviously have a lot different degrees of wear and finish wear and everything else. Um, I, I think that to put the artificial wear on them uh, looks very, very phony. So, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of the artificial ones. Let it just wear naturally. I mean, if you use a gun enough, you can, you can get it to wear, and, and it'll look cool. It'll actually look very cool. Um, in fact, I've got an Auto Ordnance 45 automatic. It's a great gun, but I take it in and out of a holster, and it's starting to get some holster wear, and I like that. It doesn't look right off the shelf you know it's got a little bit of holster wear on it and i think that makes it actually look better so there you go okay here's another one. i get asked this sometimes what is the new hotness in firearms the answer is i really don't know uh i like a lot of the stuff that's on the market i even i even grudgingly respect the the uh, Rhineland Arms FG42 9mm thing that they've made. I mean, it's guys out there thinking, and it's guys out there producing something different. Um, I really like that. Um, I think it's outstanding that, that people are innovating and doing a lot of things. I don't know what the next phase is going to be. I think we're going to see a continued trend towards quality revolvers. Um, I don't know why, I just think that. And I think Smith & Wesson um, is poised to do that. Um, they still produce fine revolvers. Um, Colt is producing fine revolvers. And there's a market for them. So they're not just some old, you know, relic. They're actually extremely useful, very shootable. And what people are finding out is that your striker-fired, polymer-framed, semi-automatic pistol really doesn't have that great a trigger pull. So consequently, um, the market is now swinging back to 
where the revolver is very, very accurate, they're very pleasurable and very rewarding to shoot. So it'll be very interesting to see how that, uh, how that continues to develop. Okay, here's our next question. What would you like to see in the firearms industry? Well, I've always said this. I would love to see an end frame um, 50 GI revolver, even if it's got to be five shot. That would be that'd be fine. Love to see that. I think that'd be a fun revolver to to shoot. So that would be one thing I'd like to see. The thing I'd like to see the most is ammunition. You know, I mean, I think we've learned our lesson that uh, ammunition that's coming from parts of the world that have instability, um, you know, that, that throws the market into a tailspin. So I would like to see uh, domestically made steel cased ammo, at least in the Warsaw Pact calibers and, and 5.56. I would like to see a company like PPU come in that would... At a, at a reasonable price. I'm not talking about giving the stuff away or, or being cheap, but at a reasonable price, produce things like 303 British, 3040 Crag, and, and the list goes on and on of these older, more established calibers, which have just been pushed to the side because ammo manufacturers are, you know, it's got to be the Winchester short magnum, then it's super short magnum, and then it's Remington Ultra Magnum, and then it's, you know, some other Magnum. I mean, we don't need seven or eight 300 Magnums, um, but they're here, so we got to deal with them. But it'd be awful nice if some of this other ammunition would come come around, too. Um, it seems like there's a little too much appetite to create a new caliber, which is supposed to solve everything, and it turns out it it doesn't. It just operates and it's just another caliber. That's that's the point where we're at now. There's so many strange things that are just kind of popping up. And that's been generated by trying to get the flattest trajectory, the lowest recoil, and still, you know, making a hole in a target at whatever range, you know. That's that's really what has generated a whole bunch of this. Well, let's go to our next question. It's uh, one of these theoretical ones. If you had, if you could only have one powerful handgun with which to defend yourself against dangerous game in North America, what would it be? And it cannot be a rifle caliber gun. Okay. Uh, I'll bite. I'll say if it's got to be pistol caliber, I would go with a 50 caliber Desert Eagle. And the reason I would choose that over a 500 or 450 or 460 Smith & Wesson is because I think I can carry more ammo. Um, I think it's powerful enough to do what I would need to do. I'm familiar with it, so I, I know them and I like them. And so that's what I would choose. Not too much else about it, so that's what I would choose. Well, I know it's a little short this week, but that's all the questions I have, so... Again, if you have any questions or comments, send them to me, kbmakel at aol.com, or put them on the comments section of Podbean. And until next time, this is Old School Guns, out.